Hello and welcome to Long Ball Premier League Preview Show. My name's Declan DeBarb. And I'm Ollie Carpenter. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a lot to talk about on this show. And because Ollie's here, you know we're talking about Chelsea. There's a lot to get into this week, so let's start the show. Ollie, my friend, welcome back. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. I'm doing well. It's always great to be back with her. We were talking beforehand. You're my, you're my favorite Canadian. Uh, and I'm and I'm very pleased to be uh, to be back sharing a platform with you. Always happy to share a platform with you and get you on the mic, especially when we have so much Chelsea to talk. It's, it seems every time we've brought you on, the news has been getting better and better. We started in a really dark place with the sanctions to Roman Abramovich and a little bit of the history between Russia and foreign money. And now we're talking about an American coming in and purchasing the club. It's Ted Bowley's consortium that has been cho- chosen by the Rain Group. billion pounds expected to be the uh, figure placed on Chelsea. And assuming all things go well and he passes the fit and proper persons test, though I don't know anyone who has ever failed the the fit and proper persons test, um, he should take over by the end of the month. Ollie, just really quickly, how are you feeling about this news? Very, very happy. Um, I don't. I, I seem to remember us talking about the uh, the potential candidates um, uh, a little while back on a previous episode, um, and I, I made it clear at that point that um, the Ricketts were not my choice. Uh, but that actually, as well uh, as well as that, they shortly pulled out afterwards. But uh, that Bowley was my choice, and his consortium was my choice after that. So uh, I'm very pleased, um, despite the the late bid uh, by Jim Ratcliffe, so Jim Ratcliffe to to potentially hijack things. It it seemed to be uh, come too little too late. Uh, I saw a lot of people sort of de- debating one or the other, but I think um, ultimately I, I would see most Chelsea fans as being pretty happy. Uh, probably the best possible result getting Bowley, Bowley's consortium in. And happy to put all of this behind you, I'm, sh- I'm sure. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> it, there were, there were fears throughout, throughout this week that Roman Abramovich would renege on the promises to write off the 2.5 million pounds in debt. That seems to have been cleared and Bully, the owner of the LA Dodgers and uh, the clear, the, the head of the Clearwater investment group set to take over Chelsea. And there's a lot of things that he has to address right away. They've seen the back line basically walk out on them for next season. Rudiger off to Real Madrid. Um, and then Christensen, all but a done deal off to Barcelona, the two headed for sunnier pastures. What do you think the most pressing thing for Bowley and this new new group to do coming in is that he's going to invest $1.75 billion in the club over the next 10 years, but that'll be spread across a number of things kind of in the way that we've seen Manchester City do as well, revital, revitalizing not just the team, but the area and everything uh, to do with the club. So, but for you, what is the first thing that needs to be checked off? Um, that's a very good question because there is a lot of things that um, Bowley could come in and change straight away. Um, it's been said multiple times. I think I think probably the first uh, thing that you would do if in coming into the Chelsea Football Club, if you're Bowley, and I've I've seen a few reports on this. It's nothing nothing fully uh, decided yet, but it would be renew any uh, sort of. Contracts that are um, pressing, uh, you know, major players that you want to tie down, people who want to be on more money, people like Mason Mount, Reese James, things like that. Uh, also, Thomas Tuchel, that will be, um, in my opinion, a, a very important asset to keep around, which is, uh, you know, uh, with that's kind of the stability that Chelsea need, you know, like rebuild the spine, uh, keep the same manager. And then after that, actually, I think the most important thing might not necessarily be in new arrivals. While that will be important, it's not the first thing to do. Um, I think the first thing to do is, um, you know, you uh, look at potential replacements for several members of the staff, uh, the backroom staff. Uh, interestingly enough, probably the most important signings Chelsea will make in this year won't be in the won't be on the pitch. They'll be in the backroom mainly be things like scouts, possibly a director of football things like that, which are really going to take Chelsea to the next level uh, with a long-term plan, that that's a really, really exciting thing. After that, then it's the squad. But um, I think first it'll be, it'll be backroom stuff. I know there was uh, discussions about uh, Marina Granovskoya um, and Bruce Buckerman about whether they were going to stay. Um, and there's nothing to, uh, nothing to suggest at the moment that they won't stay, at least in the short term, which is, I think is important for the transition into the, into the Bowley era. Um, in order to keep some stability around the club. But um, yeah, I, I would say eventually they'll probably be looking to move Buck on at least. Uh, maybe not Marina because um, she's very good at what she does. 
but we'll see. Uh, you know, I reckon backroom staff first. Ollie, I love when you preempt what I'm going to say. It's why you're one of my favorite guests. I was going to take us to Marina Garaskaya, and <laughs> if she will stay, I I wouldn't be surprised if we see kind of a change in the way that Chelsea do recruit going forward, not only to mention Bully's involvement with the Dodgers, but baseball in general is a highly stat-driven um, sport. You have stats for everything, and I can get lost for hours on sites like Baseball Reference and uh, and and StatCast and all of these fun base because there's so many stats to evaluate a player in different ways, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see some of that Dodgers knowledge coming in and influencing the way that Chelsea actually operate. I think it will be interesting to see, though, obviously uh, this is all speculation coming coming from my end, if we see a more data-driven approach from Chelsea going forward, if we see a move away from you know the massive amounts of loan players coming in and out of Chelsea. But Bully has promised heavy investment in the squad this summer, and I can only assume that that's something to be cheerful of that this owner has come in and is committed to not only spending, but he has a track record of spending his money wisely to make these teams better. And we've talked about this winning culture at Chelsea, that that is so crucial to what Chelsea is. And is that something that you believe that Bully can continue? Absolutely. Um, He's come out in the media this week and says he wants to, you know, he's very, very ambitious and really wants to win. Um, He said uh, in the media this week that he, um, wants to surpass uh, what Abramovich has done at Chelsea, not just match it and not just continue as things have gone, but actually go and make a greater legacy, um, which, which, you know, if, it, you know, anyone who knows football knows what Abramovich has done, whether you like him or hate him is incredible for Chelsea football club. Um, so to have someone come in uh, like Bowley and actually say, we're going to surpass that, we're going to do even better. And this is how we're going to do it. That's very exciting for Chelsea fans. You know, whether his ambition actually matches up to his ability, we'll see. But he seems to have the things to, to, to back it up. You know, he's got the investment, he's got uh, the, the people and he's got the smart. And going back to what we were talking about, about the data-driven um, aspect of things, it will be likely that there will be more uh, a data-driven um, mindset. Uh, apparently, Bowley himself is obsessed with data. Um, and uh, he specifically has, uh, I think his name is Danny Finkelstein as part of the uh, the the consortium, um, who is a uh, an expert in data, I believe, um, to help drive a lot of these decisions, I think, with Chelsea. And, you know, going back to sort of football and data in general, and yeah, like you say, with, with baseball and the LA Dodgers, baseball is something that has a billion stats for everything. And it's very, very interesting the way you can do it. You know, if Chelsea was somehow able to sort of uh, develop, I don't know, like a wins above replacement stat, but for football, um, and then apply that to players, that would be incredibly valuable. So, you know, and I wouldn't put it above uh, Bowley to really, you know, be ambitious and to, you know, make them make the best of of the new resources that he's bringing in. Um, ultimately, I think uh, it's, it might even bridge the gap between sort of the Liverpool model and the Man City one. Um, the Man City of spending big on so spending big money over and over again, and eventually, you know, hoping something sticks. Um, but also the Liverpool model, which is, you know, like data-driven analytical scouting, which is really important because that helps with the longevity and, and things like that. The less money you have to spend on players, the more money you can spend investing in the, the academy, the women's team, the, uh, the backroom staff, the stadium even. So it, it's really important that we get, get that investment right. And I think Bully, I think he will. There seems to be a lot of hope here. Um, from everything that I can read on the Chelsea fan blogs, on the forums, on the YouTube videos that I've watched preparing for for this show. And I think a lot of it does have to do with the success of the Dodgers and what he brings, but also, you know, he comes with money and this winning pedigree, the Dodgers, the, uh, the, the champions of the MLB um, last season. And this I w- is... is most definitely a much bigger market for him to expand into, but you'd imagine he'd bring his winning ways here. It's obviously not perfect, but I think we've seen the rise of data more and more. And it feels like we're just right before that precipice, before you break into all of the the ridiculous stats like FIP and Babbitt, which are these crazy advanced baseball metrics that they use to get really into how the batters batters play and and the the pitchers pitch and the ability to isolate the individual role of a player and I don't know if we're going too far on this but I can imagine being brought into 
because Bully is a baseball man, because he takes his knowledge from a sport where you can isolate. And the ability to isolate an individual player's contribution to a team is something you, you really haven't been able to do in football with the data that we have. We've tried, but it's not there yet. And I think that as we see more Americans, and this might be one, of, and this is, I would argue, one of the bright sides of bringing more Americans into the game is you would advance the way that we analyze the game. Um, and I think the bully is a step in that direction. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree 100%. And um, not, on top, not just on top of the stats, but I was talking about that ambition and that winning, winning mentality is really important because that's part of the, the, the Chelsea, what the Chelsea culture has been for the last 20 years under Abramovich. It's win at all costs, no matter what. And, um, and for Bowley to come out and say, essentially, we're not, here to, we're not here to take part, we're here to take over, that's something that really probably put a lot of the Chelsea fans' minds at ease. Uh, it certainly did mine. And how good of a summer do you guys need, given that, as we're just about to come on to, Erling Holland has joined Manchester City for a rumored £64 million. Liverpool are always active in the market. And, you know, these are really two of, if not two, if not the two best teams in world football. Yeah, like uh, Chelsea are going to have to make some additions for sure. Um, it's important to note that Chelsea do have some very capable players who will be able to come in back into the squad for nothing uh, with squad depth. The likes of Conor Gallagher, maybe Armando Broja, maybe uh, even the likes of Ian Matson at left back. Um, I would, uh, I would, of- I would love if Broja went back out on loan, preferably to another London club who wear claret and blue. That 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 would be that would be my my preference. But yes. Well, yeah, you know, 80 million plus rice, and I'm sure, you know, we can make a deal happen. Uh, I'm joking. Oh, I, I didn't um, know I was talking to every, every Chelsea fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of us, all at once. No, um, I think it's, it's about, um, I think for, for Bowley in the summer, I th- um, it's about identifying the, the key needs. And uh, I think they've already started to do that. There's been reports of a couple centre-backs, wing-back cover, and then possibly a midfield acquisition. We're not actually looking, as far as I can tell, maybe one attacker, maybe. And if it's, it's more likely than not to be someone like uh, Usman Dembele, um, who we can get on a free transfer. So um, in terms of like where the money is spent, not on wages, but on, on transfer fees, it's probably going to be the defence uh, mostly which is important considering, yeah, like you said, that a lot of Chelsea's defence this season is sort of gone or going. And and so, it, yeah, it's going, to be, it's going to be a big summer. I think it will be probably at least three um, big signings um, in defence, at least one in midfield uh, and one attacker as well, which is, a, you know, a hell of a lot of business to do. So, you know, we'll see if, if Bowley's up for the challenge. And just lastly here, before we move on to Manchester City, You've mentioned Bully's determination to improve upon the legacy of Abramovich and make his own. What is it going to take for Bully to surpass Abramovich in the eyes of Chelsea fans? Because that seems nigh on impossible for a man who not only provided the largest success, but has been seen as Chelsea. He is Chelsea. It will be a, it, it will, it will be, I don't think anyone will ever actually surpass Abramovich in terms of an owner that loves the football club so much and is willing to put, literally willing to lose billions for it. You know, there, we will never see a, a, an owner like Abramovich again. The way that I think um, Bowley will find his way into Chelsea's heart is, um, is by consistent investment, smart investment, sustainability, making the club sustainable. Um, so we're not relying on owners all the time for, for, to put their hand in their pocket and um, possibly redeveloping or revamping the stadium, the Stamford Bridge. Um, I think if he does a good job doing all of that and we win some trophies along the way, then you can say at least at the very least his tenure has been very successful. We'd we'd love to see another Champions League, but we know how hard that is. Chelsea really want a league title because Liverpool and Manchester City are so consistent and so, so strong as teams. Chelsea want to prove that they're up up with them uh, at, at the top of the table. And this season, it's kind of fallen off at times. We started very well, but it fell off. And with Man City recruiting the likes of Holland, which is just a absolutely ridiculous transfer, <laughs> uh, you know, it's like a, it's like putting a tornado on top of a hurricane. It's like you know, it, it, it you know, it's somehow going to make it even more destructive. It's uh, Chelsea are going to have to find a way to compete, and I reckon you know. Nobody, almost nobody except Newcastle will be able to fight the likes of PSG or Man City, uh, you know, with Sheikh Mansour and, and the, uh, I believe, I can't remember if it's the, uh, the UAE uh, 
public investment fund who own PSG. But um, if you if you're going to do it, you're going to have to do it Liverpool's way with stats, with with data, and spending your money smartly because nobody's got infinite money except them. So it that's kind of the the direction it's got to go in. But let's talk about the forces running away with the Premier League or trying to run away with the Premier League. Regardless, it's Erling Holland, as much speculated and much anticipated joining of Manchester City from Borussia Dortmund for £64 million pounds has all been has all but been completed. An insane amount of money and an insane amount of money in agent fees moving. Not that that is necessarily relevant, but £40 million pounds moved in agent fees is just blows my mind. And I think it speaks to the power of agents in today's game. But let's actually talk about the tactics and what Holland will do at Manchester City. And in my mind, it's a match made in heaven. It is perfect. Holland is the definition of a complete forward. He can finish like Lewandowski, but he can link play like Harry Kane. And I think we've seen throughout the season that that is what City has been missing. That complete forward who I think if Pep could have created a, a player in a lab, it would have been Erling Holland. Well, I, I think if, if most people could create a player in a lab, it would be Erling Holland because, you know, the man's enormous for a start. You know, he's not always, he's not the strongest header of the ball. Um, so as long as City don't try and use him like a target man, they, uh, they'll they be fine. But City don't play that way. They they keep the ball on the deck a lot of the time. They pass the ball around and Holland is fast. Holland is strong and he's able to, uh, and he's an elite finisher and he's able to link the play. So, uh, I mean, like imagine, yeah, he's, I mean, there's been a lot said about Gabriel Jesus and, and where he potentially is going to end up um, now that Holland is actually going to City. But, you know, he's like a more efficient Gabriel Jesus who's like a foot taller, a lot stronger and a lot quicker. So you can't, it's going to be hard. It's going to be very, very hard to to beat that. The only thing that might be uh, an issue, although personally I don't think it will be, is um, we've seen players come in from the Bundesliga uh, in the last couple seasons and struggle. Um, the likes of um, Timo Werner is a good example. Even Kai Havertz struggled for a while. Jaden Sancho struggled for a while. We're seeing better, better things from them now, but it seems there's this ethereal factor about the Premier League that doesn't translate very well to Bundesliga football. Partly, I think it's the high line and the speed of the game. I think they play a bit faster a game in the Premier League and they play a higher line in the Bundesliga, unless you're Liverpool. But... I don't think that will be a problem for Holland solely because one, he's ridiculous and basically made in the lab and he'll be able to flourish wherever he's gone because his numbers are incredible. But on top of that as well, his Champions League record playing against the best of the best in Europe is ridiculous as well. So, you know, if you can do it against Barcelona, PSG, Real Madrid, uh, Juventus, Chelsea, Arsenal, you know, all these teams who are up there, you know, who will be in Europe next season, you're going to be able to do it against the likes of Burnley or Leeds or whoever's coming up, Fulham, you know? Uh, it's it's Anyone can do it against Fulham, but yeah. Yeah, it's going to be scary uh, for sure. I don't think City are actually going to score that many, that many more goals. Uh, they probably will score more goals, but not many more. I think well, the difference is, is Holland will be, uh, will take, will be getting a large percentage of the goals. Already the bookies favorite to score the most amount of goals and, I think one thing that's interesting to tease out here, we've seen Pep slowly bet in players into his squad. You know, we've seen that with that with the likes of Jack Grealish. So I don't think money has anything to do with it because he has unlimited money at Manchester City. But is that something that you think that he'll do with Erling Holland, a player that he slowly beds into his squad or, you know, first day we'll see Holland out there playing every single minute of every single match? I think he'll probably he'll probably drop straight in. I think uh Pep's got a Pep's a very good man manager, um, and you know his his uh, reputation precedes him. I think while he has a reputation for for bringing players in slowly and then watching them slowly sort of become powerhouses over time, Haaland's a powerhouse already. He's ready now, and um, as long as he, you know, as long as like I said, there's no issues with transitioning to the Premier League, which I don't think there will be. I think he'll be okay. You know, as long and the other issue is. If Man City try and use him as a target man or use him as a focal point, um, that could be dangerous because if they're trying to pass him the ball all the time, you could end up seeing something a bit like with Lukaku at the start of the season. 
uh, where he's constantly getting the ball, fluffing his lines and then getting frustrated, morale drops. And then from there, you know, you can get into a slippery slope. But I think Holland's a mentality monster, to be honest. And I think he'll I think he'll absolutely smash it at City. I really do. I yeah, I couldn't agree more. He has the the finishing qualities of 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 a Benzema or a Lewandowski, but as I said, the ability to to link play like like Harry Kane, he's going to come in and be one of the most dominant forces in in the Premier League. And I think it will give City the edge in the big games where we've seen this season where they've been playing without a striker that you know, they fizz that ball in across the box, but they don't have anyone to put it away. And I don't think enough is mentioned about how Holland reads the game. He is so smart in the way he plays. He makes runs that no one would think to make. And then he has the ability to muscle men off the ball to actually complete those runs. And we all know that city like to play this slow, methodical game, but if he makes a run, the ball is being pinged to him every single time and he'll just knock them down and score, you know, 30, 40 goals in the Premier League. He's, he's an animal. He's a, he's a monster, but he's so intelligent that he has to be made in the lab. Like I, like <laughs> I don't get it. And I would push all of you listening right now to go on to the mastermind site and read the article that Reese Desmond just put out about Holland. And this is the last thing that I want to talk about with uh, with Erling Holland, and that's the partnership that he had with Marco Royce. Royce and him were lethal together. Royce knew how to drop back and play these one-two balls with Holland to create space for the Norwegian, and I can only imagine that being taken up to another level with Kevin De Bruyne. And I mean, De Bruyne coming off a four-goal night, first hat trick in his entire career. But I think that next season we're going to see a new breed of Kevin De Bruyne. And that I think is the strength of Holland, not just how good he is, but how good he makes everyone else. And the partnership that we'll see between Kevin De Bruyne and Holland scares me. It, 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 it scares it me. They, scares they, me might, too. they might we have could, 50 could, goal involvements just by themselves. We could be looking at broken records next season. If they both hit the ground running that that's, that's absolutely no lie. You know, De Bruyne is, and this is like, like you said, the last thing we'll say on it. De Bruyne is probably the best player in the Premier League on form at the moment. Haaland is probably the best striker on, one of the best strikers on form in the world at the moment. You know, you can only probably put Benzema up there on form. It's going to be a lethal partnership. You just know it is. Yeah. And I don't know if we're already, if it's too soon to be making predictions, but, uh, you know, my money's on Holland Golden Boot, uh, Kevin De Bruyne uh, on most assists in City, City on winning the league. I I just I just can't see it's any other that way. Yeah. I, I can't it's, see any other world. I'd like to see um, how he how he handles uh, how he goes up against Ronaldo uh, in a in the Manchester derby because of course it's a, it's like an old blood versus new blood sort of situation. Yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be very interesting to see all of that next season. I mean, you look at the stats; he scores every ninety minutes. He is one one point zero nine goals per ninety minutes in all competitions. So. Much like, much like uh, Benzema, if he's playing, he's scoring. And that is, what, that is what's been missing for City this season, especially in those big matches. So it will be very scary. The only thing that I would hasten to say is that we've seen throughout Holland's time in the Bundesliga, a much less physical league than the Premier League, that he's picked up these niggling, niggling issues with, with ligaments or, or you know, tissue issues and... So that might be the only concern that he might be held back the first two seasons he plays in the Premier League because of some of these injuries. But other than that, I, I this move makes too much sense. It, it's sixty-four million. He might score sixty-four goals next season in all competitions. He's 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 insane. Like there there's there's no there's no two ways around that. This is this is a transfer that we've known has been coming for for a long time, but uh, it's frightening now that it's happened. Yeah, it certainly puts the rest of the league on notice, especially for the summer, because City got it done early and they and they've got it done straight away. You know, it they've got their marquee signing already, and they're only going to strengthen more in the summer. So it's gonna people are going to have to wise up. Yeah, yeah. But with that, let's go on to halftime and hear from our sponsors. Do you want to learn English? Do you want to play games based on the analysis you read on the Mastermind site? Then go check out Footy Lingo. Whether you're new to football or have been following it for some time, learning about the beautiful game can be hard and confusing sometimes. But Footy Lingo is here to help. It's an online language learning system for football lovers. 
You'll play games, read articles, and learn more about football all at once as you improve your English reading, writing, and speaking skills. All you have to do is go to the Footy Lingo link in the description and use code MASTERMINDSITE at checkout for 20% off any subscription plan. That's MASTERMINDSITE for 20% off your first order on any subscription plan on Footy Lingo. And now, let's get back to the show. Thank you, Footy Lingo, for your continued support of the Long Ball Premier League preview show. Ollie, let's get into our fun trivia section of the show. This time, just one question. Six players have suited up at the striker position for Manchester City this season. Can you name all six? That's going to be difficult. Uh, I reckon, it, well, the first one's obvious. It's Gabby Jesus. Yeah. Uh, maybe Grealish playing a false nine. Jack Grealish. Uh, probably Phil Foden playing a false nine. Fozza. Uh, probably Bernardo Silva playing a false nine. Yes, sir. Uh, after that, it gets a little harder. <laughs> well, you're missing. Um, you're missing two. <laughs> Raheem Sterling playing a false. Raheem nine, Sterling maybe? is one, and last one. Last one, maybe uh, Ilkay si- Gundogan. Unfortunately, it's Ferran Torres. Ah, five for six, not bad, not bad. That'll do it for trivia for this week. As you can tell, City like to rotate their strikers. West Ham have had two people suit up at striker. Jared Bowen and Mikel Antonio. So big differences, big, big differences. Welcome back to the second half of the show. And, you know, this week we're not talking about games. We're talking about the storylines we've been following all season. And this one looks like it's going to go down to the final day. We're going to start with the relegation battle. We'll come on to return to talking about City and Liverpool in just a little bit and finish off with the FA Cup final. But the relegation battle is going to go down to the final day. You, it's, it's all but assumed. Leeds, Everton, and Burnley, you can cover them with a blanket. Leeds and Burnley currently tied on 34 points. Everton on 36. The thing, Leeds have one less game to be played. Leeds, Brighton this weekend, and then Brentford on the final day. Everton still have to play Brentford this weekend, and then Palace and Arsenal and Burnley face off against Spurs this weekend before traveling to Aston Villa and hosting Newcastle to finish the season, you know, when Jesse Marsh comes in to the Lily Whites, you think that you, th- you think that it's almost that they've that they've done it. They've gotten the new manager bounce, but they've fallen back into it. Ollie, how are how are you seeing this this relegation battle shake out? It's going to be so close, Declan. It's going to be so, so close. You know, you've got the likes of all, all three teams are on pretty poor form. Leeds are probably on form the worst ones of the three at the moment. But they, uh, do you say they have the they have uh, the most games left, or is it Burnley? They have the least games left. They have played thirty six games. Everton and Burnley have played thirty five. So that that's going to be the key thing. Even if 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 Burnley or Everton can pick up even a point in their last three games. That, that might be enough. And because Leeds are dropping like a stone, they can't buy a win. Everton are the same, although they, you know, turned Chelsea over the other week. Um, you know, it, it's going to be an absolutely, it's going to come right down to the wire. I think, um, I think personally, it'll be Leeds. Um, like I said, I, I think they've only got, yeah, they've only got two games left. They can't buy a win. None of the players look motivated. They've got injuries, red cards, suspensions, things like that. It's not going to be easy for them. And, um, you know, you'd think for a team fighting relegation, uh, they played my team Chelsea yesterday and and Chelsea, who were in no great form themselves, completely turned them over. Um, Dan James did a horror tackle on Mateo Kovacic and got, got himself a red card for the trouble. Um, and it just seems like maybe maybe their heads and their hearts aren't really in it. You know, I think maybe Bielsa was actually the thing driving the team and keeping the motivation forward. Remember, they were 16th when he left. And now the you know they've got a really good chance of getting relegated. Their, their new manager bounce has been non-existent. Burnley, I think, will just survive. Um, and as much as everyone wants to see Burnley get relegated, <laughs> I think they will just survive. Um, it, it will be close, though. The thing going against Leeds as well is they have a whopping negative thirty-eight goal difference. They've allowed seventy-seven goals this season. It's it's not, it's not looking good. They have one win in their last five. You compare that to Burnley, who won three on the bounce before dropping their most recent match, and Everton, who you know picked up huge wins against uh, Leicester and Chelsea. So it's, it's not looking good for this Leeds team. But that said, Burnley are dealing with 
an injury crisis at the wrong time of the season. Matea Vidra done for the season with a, with a ligament issue in his knee, and Tar- Tarkovsky is set to miss the Spurs game. Burnley will turn to the services of Nathan Collins and Kevin Long. Kevin Long has played just three games this season, 140 minutes. He's only started once against the against the Liverpool team who are coming in hot. They they just picked up a big result against Liverpool. This one really could go down to the final day. And we have races at both ends of the table. It's nothing to shake your to shake your hand at. But when you see who leads still have to play two teams right up at the right end, and especially Brighton, who are on this purple patch of form, you know, they trounced United. They need something from that match. They need a point from that match. And if they don't, you'd, you'd think it's all done. The Mother Teresa and the Gandhi quotes aren't doing it for Jesse March. And you don't know if he, can, if he was signed for Leeds with the expectation that he'd come up, but that he might continue on next year. He's this halfway house between Bielsa and normal sane football. But uh, we, were, we were saying this uh, a little, in one of the earlier shows. I can't, I can't remember. But the Premier League is better with, with Leeds United. And if they drop down, you know, you hope they, they bounce right back up. But you look up and down lead squads. They've been hampered by injuries this season. They haven't had Patrick Bamford for the vast majority of it. They haven't had Calvin Phillips for the vast majority of it. You know, you lose, you lose click in the down, down the end of the season. And the squad already is barely a championship squad. It's, it's not pretty for this, for this lead squad. And I, you can I argue, you know, they, they've had injury issues all season. Maybe it's down to, it's the size of the squad they've got, which isn't huge. It's the form of football that they play, which is, you know, like a lot of a lot of running. They play, I think it's called like insane ball or murder ball in training on a Wednesdays. With, uh, with, well, they did with Bielsa. I don't know what they do with Marsh. Like you say, somewhere between normal football and whatever Bielsa does. But um, yeah, like may, you could argue that maybe their injury problems are slightly self-inflicted uh, and you know as much as you hate to say it because they they bring an interesting different kind of brand of football to the league you know if you've only got a small squad and you play a style that's going to get players injured it's not going to go well for you the uh the team that i think is going to stay up and maybe not comfortably but they are going to stay up for sure in my opinion is um is everton under frank lampard um you know they've been re- they've really been rallying recently they've gotten some very good results including as i said against chelsea and they're just um it seems that Lampard is just now getting the players to click and I think it comes from the fact that Lampard is an excellent motivator um and you know he's an excellent man manager tactically we're still sort of working Lampard out because he's only a few years into his managerial tenure sometimes good sometimes not but he's an excellent man manager at least to to a certain degree and you know and there'll be a lot of players in that Everton squad who idolize him and really want to to do well for him and they you know they've got their own motivations as well Everton have never been relegated from the Premier League and you know, to be the to be the manager or the player or you know the team that that gets Everton relegated for the first time, that will come with a badge of shame that will forever hang over the heads of Everton fans. You know, Jordan Pickford at the moment is playing like a man possessed um, because he knows more, that more than usual, more more down. than usual. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> more possessed than usual because you know if he if he knows he's the goalie who who got Everton relegated for the first time from the top flight, you know he he's never going to hear the end of it. Yeah, and I mean, that plus Everton's commitment to not attack in any way whatsoever and, and just events seems, seems to have been the way that they have decided to get out of this. And as I mentioned, you know, it, they definitely have the easiest way out, but they had that chance to pull themselves out of all of it and failed to score against Watford. They showed no attacking intent in that match whatsoever. And, you know, they could pay... The price for that Arsenal are not going to be an easy team to beat, especially with the run in down the end of the season. Palace never easy to beat, and Brentford, who are looking to stamp to stamp their authority back onto this division, climb up as high as they can. It's it's not going to be it's pretty. Definitely going to come down to the final day. I, I you know, I, I all three teams are wildly inconsistent. All three teams leak goals like sieves for fun. It, it's going to be very interesting to see who who actually does go down. But I personally think it will be Leeds, um, just because I just don't think they've got it in them now. I think they've uh, their their motivation isn't there. Whereas uh, perhaps it's more likely that Burnley and Everton actually do kind of have a bit of that fight and belief left. So I think that's that might be what what makes the difference. I think it'll depend on um, 
James Tarkovsky's injury will, I think, will be a deciding factor in the season for Burnley. We'll reach out to Dan Black at the Burnley Express for some uh, clarification on that in the coming week. But let's take a look at the top half of the table. And I think Manchester City have one hand on that trophy already. Three points up, commanding seven goal swing, though. Don't talk, don't talk to Luton about, uh, about crazy goal swings. If they win at the London Stadium this, this weekend, you think it's all but over. You'd have to think it's all but over. Liverpool don't play this weekend. They play Tuesday. But, you know, with, with three more points in the bag, you'd need, you'll need <laughs> apocalyptic scenes at the Etihad uh, next weekend for for City to lose. But, you know, West Ham, a team who are playing with some intent, looking to chase down Manchester United, and they need the game this weekend. So it should be a cracker. I mean, we saw in the uh, the League Cup that West Ham can put a number in on this City squad. But after they fell out of the Champions League, you just felt that you just felt like City have decided to take all their anger out on the Premier League. City, City do that. They, 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 they suffer an unexpected loss, which for City is a loss, and uh, and they just absolutely hammer whoever they play against next. And it's usually poor Burnley, and it's usually five nil. Um, so, <laughs> and uh, but this time it was Wolves, and they uh, uh, you know that they were deciding to take their anger out on. But they they're doing it for the rest of the season, I think. And you know, Kevin De Bruyne had a fantastic game. You know what what a player he is, and. Um, yeah, I think I think I'm not going to say it's as good as over because it's never over till it's over, but it's almost as good as over. I think the second those those point that that points gap opens up, City aren't going to let that go. Um, they're just too consistent. They're just too good at driving out result after result after result. It's the kind of consistency that I'd love to see from Chelsea. Uh, you know, under Thomas Tuchel, it's. It's it's phenomenal, and you know we're, I think uh, it's worth saying. You know we're almost in danger of of the Premier League turning into like I hate this phrase, but a farmers league. You know, with without Liverpool winning the Premier League uh, one time in the last five years, City will have won however many. You know, like if they win next season, it'll be like four of the last five. And you know, with Holland and the team, what can you do? You know, it's, it, it says a lot about the uh, the strength of uh, both Guardiola as a manager and the depth of uh, Sheikh Mansour's pockets uh, that uh, City are doing as well as they are. It's uh, it's gonna be, they're they're quite the dynasty to topple, uh, and uh, I think I think they're they're almost in like the 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 prime of their powers uh, at the moment, City. Even with a Liverpool team playing so well, you know. I think I saw a stat this week that said that something like Liverpool are on 86 points and Man United have won the league something like seven times with fewer points than that. It's it's an unbelievably high standard of football now. An unbelievable record of consistency is needed to get that top spot. Um, and uh, I suppose in Liverpool's case, they're just unlucky that City just, just are doing a little bit better. Yeah, City only dropped points on eight occasions this season, which are superhuman numbers, superhuman at 28 wins for city this season. You can see them making it around 30 with, with two wins, one over West Ham, one over one over Villa in their sleep to close out, to close out the season. And there's almost this duopoly at the top of, of the premier league that is very shrinking, very quickly shrinking into just a just city's league. And they have all the money in the world and maybe all the, Maybe this is how we solve climate change. We all of the Premier League teams put all their money together and figure out how how to deseed oil for as the as, as the as the world uh, as the world fuel to beat City. But uh, all jokes aside, this is before we've seen Holland enter the team, and City are a juggernaut. But let's talk about this Liverpool team a little bit. They play Chelsea in a rematch of the League Cup final. What do you think we can expect from this game, Ollie? It's gonna be an it's gonna be a cracker. I, I I know for a fact. It's um it's at that perfect point um in in between forms uh, of a team where Liverpool have just showed that they're just starting to falter just a little. You know they they let in a, a goal in after three minutes of not being switched on against um against Aston Villa and uh, and, and don't forget the first forty five against Villarreal as well. You there is there is a exactly. blueprint to how to beat this team. 
yeah there, there is now and and that's the thing is i think for a long time there was a there was a thing of sort of you look and you go how do you beat that liverpool team well in little patches in parts of games not in full games because they're still doing very well people are winning and they're winning their individual battles and they're winning their games so that it's, it's kind of proving you know that like you can kill it <laughs> you know if it bleeds we can kill it uh and and so i think it's gonna be a cracker because chelsea have are just turning a corner at the right time um, as well for the for the cup. You know, um, we were unlucky not to beat Wolves um, due to some defensive mishaps at the back of, you know, 2-0 up with 11 minutes to go. You, you would expect most teams to see out that game, but Chelsea have got all sorts of problems off the pitch and, and that probably didn't help things. Um, comfortably beat Leeds, who, you know, were woeful, but were motivated or at least should have been. Um, and, you know, Romelu Lukaku is finally, finally arriving. And, you know, in the last two games, he's played excellently. Uh, I think he's a shoe in to start the final. Um, and if, you know, it, it just goes to show if Villa can do it, if Villarreal can do it, Chelsea can hurt, can hurt Liverpool. Bear in mind, I think um, Liverpool, I don't think, have beaten Chelsea this season. Now, you've got the, the League Cup final, of course, which was won on penalties, uh, not in 90 minutes. So that's kind of what I'm, you know, that's like an asterisk. Um, but I, I believe the the game at the start of the season was one all. Um, at, uh, at I can't remember who it was at whether it was a Stamford Bridge or or Anfield. But um, and then the second game of the season was two all in the Premier League. So these tie these sides are actually more evenly matched than it might appear. And you know it's going to be an excellent tactical battle, Tuchel versus Klopp. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, there are these there are those three great tactical battles that that we see in 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 the Premier League. That's Klopp. Tuchel and uh, Guardiola and two relatively similar and then one just completely out there in, in Guardiola. My favorite term for him is football pervert, but uh, that's that's neither that's neither here nor there. It should, be, it should be it should be a yeah. great game. I think you're hoping for your sake that you don't see Kepa, that there's no penalty shootout. But can I push you for a prediction? Okay. All right. All right. All right, Declan, you're going to get it out of me. Okay. Uh, I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's, I think I can't, I can't not back my team. I think it's going to be Chelsea to win on penalties. Oh, and they bring Kepa in to, to take, to save the penalties. I don't know. Maybe oh. we'll see. It's, oh, it's we'll going to be, it's certainly going to be uh, an excellent thing. I think it'll be, it'll be a score drawer after 120 minutes and it'll be, uh, and it will go to penalties. Well, there you go. The bookies, have called in to, to see if to see if uh, Ollie is making any bold predictions. They have to change their odds. It should be a good game. Eleven forty-five Saturday morning Eastern Standard Time. And there's just one last discussion that I want to have. We've talked about Liverpool all season as possibly being one of the greatest teams to ever grace a football pitch. And we say that it's a very real possibility they end the season with with one trophy, the League Cup. Do you think that if they lose to Ancelotti, which I think they will, if they lose to Chelsea, which I'm unconvinced of, and it looks like they're not going to win the league, that they'll be remembered as one of the great teams, not only to ever play in the Premier League, but to ever play in world football? Because I think that that needs, that is something that has been discussed at length this season, but they're going to win arguably the least important trophy that they entered. Well, it's a difficult thing, isn't it? Because it's talking about sort of the quality of the team versus actually what the team has managed to achieve in terms of trophies and the like. You know, you you'll you know they might get a double. There's been more impressive teams who've won a double, even a treble. And you know they, but they were on course for the quad. You know, until very recently, with probably with City. You know, and, and it's it's unlikely that the quadruple is going to happen now. And the longest we've gonna... ever had the discussion, the longest there's ever been that possibility of a quadruple, and that that exactly. I think needs to be kept in mind in this debate. An incredibly consistent squad, a very very good team, um, and a you know who are clearly led by an excellent excellent manager in Jurgen Klopp. Could you say they're one of the best ever? Well, it to a certain degree, it's about lasting legacy, isn't it? It's about it, it to a certain degree, it is about trophies and it's about records. When people ask me about what the Chelsea teams that I remember, the always the first one I always say every time uh, is the one that conceded nine goals in a season in 0405, Jose Mourinho's Chelsea, the first time round. 
And you, you remember that because of the, the record. You, they, yeah, sure, they won the Premier League. They didn't win anything else that season, but the record's there. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Similarly, you've got the likes of, um, just going back to Chelsea, because that's what I know, you've got Ancelotti in 09, um, who did very well as well. I believe he won a double and got sacked because he didn't win the Champions League. Is you know that's that's a legacy. I I this Liverpool team will no doubt be remembered as a fantastic squad, no doubt, because just look at them and just look at what they're doing. That you know, will they? Maybe it'll be slightly eclipsed only by what City are managing to do. But you know, Liverpool. I I think the legacy at the moment for Liverpool is that league title that they were chasing for thirty years. That is the team that will be remembered, not necessarily the one that's playing this season, but a season or two ago. And yeah, so I think they will be remembered as one of the one of one, certainly one of the greatest Premier League teams, not the greatest um, in, in, in my opinion. You've just there are a few teams that probably arguably if you're going to say anyone to be the greatest ever, it's probably uh, City's Centurion team. It's probably them in terms of raw numbers, records in terms of legacy trophies it's got to be them after that you can have all the debates you want and it really feels like it's the sliding door moment for liverpool that this might be their last chance with you know you look at the to borrow a phrase from north american sports the free agent class of next season where you have mane and sala who are out of contract and now we see the introduction of erling holland come in and they're going to possibly end this season with one trophy and a trophy that many, many people completely disregard. And even if they win the Champions League, is, champ- is the Champions League really the trophy that Liverpool are chasing after? Like, and I don't say that to cast any aspersions over, over the Champions League, but it seems like if Liverpool win the Champions League, Liverpool are going to win the trophy that Manchester, Manchester City want. And City are going to win the trophy that that Liverpool want, and so yes, exactly that that is exactly what it is. It's a Zem. Uh, I know I bring a lot of things back to Chelsea, but Chelsea won the Champions League, um, you know, uh, last season, and arguably you could say the same for them. You could say that actually we've been pushing for a, a title-winning team for the last five years, and and we haven't even really been anywhere close, not under our previous managers. So certainly you could say that Liverpool. It's sort of like, you know, you, you, you do worry um, certainly for Liverpool, but for Man City as well, that, that, you know, the Premier League for Liverpool might be the one that they got and then got away. You know, the one that they could have built a dynasty on and didn't. And whereas Man City, you know, the Champions League might ever be elusive to them. We don't know. It's certainly, it's certainly a difficult thing to pass, isn't it? Because they're, they're clearly such good teams, but you, you know, it's, it's hard not to see if, if you've got a goal, and, and that goal is a specific trophy or a specific amount of trophies, and you don't reach it, have you failed? If you still win, it's hard to know. And this Liverpool squad has forever changed the complexion of football. Like I, I think that that needs to be taken into account. What Klopp has been able to do tactically, I think is, is only surpassed by what Guardiola has done. Introducing a style of football to the world. We've seen pressing and, you know, to, to steal a term from Johan Cruyff, the, the total footballization of, of the game across the world, the way that Liverpool act in the, champ, in, in the transfer market is radical to anything we've seen, we've seen before and has informed many other teams in how to do it, but they lack those trophies. They're kind of the opposite to the Real Madrid team that won three Champions Leagues in a row. Because if you look at what Zizou did with those squads, did he do anything to act actually changed the game or did he just win and i would argue he just won so yeah and 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 that's the thing though but people will remember the three you know that it's about the legacy you know you you could argue chris wilder in the premier league uh, revolutionized the game with his overlapping center backs a couple seasons ago and does anyone really remember that team not really (laughs) you know you've got to have stuff to back it up you've got to have the results and if Liverpool don't, yeah, sure. They they affected the football landscape. Yes, they won a few trophies. Greatest ever? No, not for me. Yeah, I think that uh, the best way to put it is that City will be remembered by you and me, and Liverpool will be remembered in a Jonathan Wilson book when he redo when he redoes the uh, inverting the pyramid book. 
every yes every couple of decades <laughs> exactly or uh you know if you're looking into uh you know jordan henderson's uh autobiography that he writes when he's like 60 yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's i this feels like the moment to actually have this this discussion even though it's not done but we're at the end of what has been a sensational premier league premier league season uh, it has been the closest the closest title fight that i can remember in, in quite some time there's races for europe there's a race at the bottom like we haven't seen in in a couple of years like this feels like a real moment of reflection not just for not just on the top of the league but the bottom of the league and and everything else uh i know at the end of the at the end of the season we all get kind of reminiscent of uh what could have been what happened but this is just our take here at the long ball premier league preview show but that'll do it Ollie, thanks so much for for coming on the show. Is there anything that you want to plug? Yeah, sure. Just follow me on Twitter. That's at at O-L-I-G-A Carpenter, like the job. That's C-A-R-P-E-N-T-E-R. And uh, follow me on at Goalitics. That's G-O-A-L-I-T-I-C-S because uh, I'll be putting some stuff out there soon. And uh, I'm probably going to be starting my own podcast. And uh, and Declan, I, I will I will press you on air right now uh, to tell you that I, I'd love to have you on. Oh, you don't you don't have to press me on air. You you give me the opportunity to speak about whatever you want and uh, I'll come on. So once uh, once your podcast is up, we'll be made. We'll make sure to plug it on here as well. Always, uh, always so gracious with your time, Ollie. So so thanks again. And you know that my time is your time. Oh, thank you very much. And, you know, everybody, make sure you listen to the Long Ball podcast as well as the uh, the Mastermind site, because. Declan does some great work here and you know it's he's he's definitely worth listening to. If this is your first one, uh firstly welcome and uh, <laughs> and secondly, uh listen to another one. And thirdly, thank you for making it all the way to the end. We love hearing from you here at the Mastermind site. So if you have any ideas for games or topics you want us to talk about on the show, send them to myself on Twitter at debart14 or email us at the mastermind site at gmail.com. We'll be back next week for our last show of the Premier League season. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please give us a five-star rating. If you really want to help us grow, tell a friend and have a good week, ladies and gentlemen.